Welcome to Carolina True Crime, a podcast from WMBF News. I'm Brad Dickerson, Digital Content Manager. We're taking a deep dive into some of our area's most infamous crimes, some with clear endings and others where questions remain. Thanks so much for listening into our podcast series. Today, we are diving into the high-profile case of Heather Elvis and the trials following her disappearance. I'm WMBF News Today anchor Audrey Bisque, joined with news reporter Kate Merriman and digital content manager Brad Dickerson. So Kate and Brad are sharing with me what it was like to be inside the courtroom, live reporting on the trial of Sydney Moore and Tammy Moore, giving perspective on what it was like to listen to the defense, the prosecution, and hearing the witness testimonies. This December will mark six years since Heather Elvis was last seen. Cell phone records indicated her last cell phone activity was in the early morning hours of December 18, 2013. Her car was reportedly found at Peachtree Landing one day later. Here we are today. We know Sydney Moore was found guilty last month of kidnapping Heather Elvis and sentenced to 30 years in prison. South Carolina Department of Correctional Records state he is currently not eligible for parole. Moore's wife, Tammy Moore, was convicted of kidnapping Elvis in October of 2018. She was also sentenced to 30 years. Now, these trials captivated the community for days. There were gag orders, mistrials, retrials, and a lot that went into these cases. Our coverage dates back to 2013. But let's begin with Brad, who did digital coverage in 2016 alongside our reporter at the time. Brad, what was that feeling like inside the courtroom with such a high-profile trial like this one? Emotion was very much running high, no doubt about it. Um, Obviously, Audrey, as you said, this has been a case that's captivated our area as long as I've been here. And um, what I remember first and foremost from that trial was the courtroom was packed. It was just, it could have almost been standing room only, and I think... um, I think, I mean, a lot of it was family members of Sydney and Tammy Moore's. A lot of it was family members of Heather Elvis's. Um, and one thing that really struck me was every day of that trial, I looked at um, Heather's mom, Debbie, and she always wore these same outfits. And I always thought it was it was teal outfit. And I always thought, that's interesting. I, I didn't know, I, I, I was sure there was a reason behind it, but I wasn't sure what the reason was. And come to find out that teal was actually Heather's favorite color. Mm. And um, so that finally gave me some perspective. I'm like, okay, that's why she's wearing this every day is kind of, you know, kind of a tribute to her daughter. So emotions were really the first thing that I picked up on when I was in that courtroom. You could feel it, kind of sense it, right? When you walked in, took your seat and it began. Absolutely. Um, I think the jury selection process was interesting uh, for this one reason one of the jurors that got on the panel was actually a friend of the defense attorney at the time. And I've been in a few courtrooms before and seen some trials, and I thought that was kind of an interesting, 
That was an interesting pick for me. I, I I didn't know for sure if he would be able to get past the selection process because I thought, you know, that might cancel him out as a juror, but mm-hmm. he got on the panel. And um, I do know that there was, you could just hear kind of some scuttle amongst uh, members who were watching the trial that were thinking, should he be on the jury? But mm-hmm. I'm not a judge. I'm not um, I'm not a legal scholar, so obviously the judge thought he would make a credible juror, and he allowed him on the trials. But that was the first thing that kind of picked up, that I picked up on that was kind of, I guess, controversial, to say the least. What was the reaction of our viewers, people who watched us stream it online, kind of the commentary from the community when this trial began? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> they ate it up. Um, they just ate it up. I had former co-workers um, who were watching it from their desks at their jobs wow. who probably should have been working, but that's neither here nor there. But no, it was it was a case where, you know, people were truly, I've never seen a case that has truly captivated an entire community like this one did. Um, and it amazed me, you know, how well-versed people were in the, with the case. I mean, they knew every detail. They... You know, they had, they could pick up stuff that happened four years previous, mm-hmm. well, not four years, because that would be beyond the scope of when this happened, but, you know, a couple of years previously. So I give, I give our viewers, you know, a lot of, a lot of props and that's, mm-hmm. you know, they really have followed this case. They're very knowledgeable about this case and they wanted to see it play out. Um, it was a case where I think it's safe to say the majority of the viewers were on the side of. Um, Heather Elvis's family and weren't weren't really buying the arguments made by the defense. Um, they wanted answers to where Heather is, and unfortunately, we still don't have that answer. But um, yeah, it was it was truly a case where you know everybody was just kind of fixed on it, and even you could hear talk in the community about, oh man, this witness said this or that witness said that. So. You know, I, I just had never seen that before, just that much, I hate to say fandom, because I think that's a, you know, kind of a bad way when you're talking about a case like this, but, you know, I think for lack of a better term, you know, there are a lot of fans of this case, and um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was, it, it was truly captivating, I guess you could call it the trial of the century for Horry County. Right, and when you were there, that was three years since Heather had gone missing. Mm-hmm. What was it like when you saw Tammy, you know, walk through the door? Um, well, I know because, yeah, when, yeah, Sydney, Sydney was obviously, he was, they tried Sydney and Tammy separately in, yes. that, in that time. And yeah, Tammy was obviously there. Um, you know, it, they kind of had almost, I didn't see a lot of emotion on their okay. faces. They, um, you know, it seemed like they were very much their, their, I guess business faces would be how I would put it. You know, they were, you know, Sydney was sitting at the defense table. Tammy was in the, um, you know, was in the audience with um, with their children okay. and other members of her family. Um, every now and again, you would see a little, like a couple tears maybe, but yeah, I really, it was really kind of almost just, almost poker faces, okay. I thought. And, um, you know, not, there wasn't, there weren't any outbursts or anything like that. I've seen some trials where there's been some audible emotion from people in the audience, mm-hmm. family members of victims or whatnot, but there really wasn't 
there was a lot of, again, as attuned as our viewers were to this trial, the people in the courtroom were very attuned to it as well, just very quiet. Yeah. They followed the judge's um, orders, you know, not to be overly dramatic or, you know, make any outbursts. And, but people were just really paying attention. How long were you covering that trial back then? That was a week. Okay. Um, it started, jury selection started on Monday. That was in late June. Um, so jury selection started Monday. It took, gosh, we had a jury picked, I want to say, it was by after lunch that first day, I want to say, which shocked me. I thought it would take a couple days. Yeah. But um, no, they got through the jury selection process that first day, and we had, gosh, we had opening arguments that afternoon. So wow. it, it went pretty quickly. And then Friday of that week, we had our verdict. Well, we didn't have our, our verdict. Was, it was a mistrial, but, you know, we had our decision. So... And you were live tweeting, live mm -hmm. uh, pushing out stories on our digital platforms mm -hmm. the whole time. Yep, yep. I was that was my first time live tweeting a, a trial. Um, well, I guess live blogging is kind of more accurate. Just the program I was using, yeah, I was live blogging. But yeah, I was also tweeting as well. Um, yeah, it was it was an interesting. It helped me because later that year, I also did the same thing for the Dylan Roof trial in Charleston, the Charleston okay. Church shooter. So that was as intense as the Heather Elvis trial was, or Sydney Moore trial. Um, you know, it really prepared me for what came about six months later. But um, but yeah, it was it was just a, a different way of reporting than I had done previously covering a trial. Um, and again, it just the questions I would get, you know. I remember there was a, a court reporter was up and she had this kind of this thing to her mouth and it, to look at it from people that were watching, it almost looked like a breathing apparatus. And people were like, what is that to her mouth? And I wasn't even sure myself, that was her dictating. Um, uh, she was using that thing to mm -hmm. talk and dictate her notes. And I'm like, that was a fascinating little piece of information. But people kept tweeting at me or, or blogging at me and saying, what is she doing? What is that at, at her mouth? So, again, that just that goes to show, you know, just how attuned people were to that case. They were. And mm -hmm. after the week when it did end in a mistrial, was there this sense of frustration from people in the community? Kind of like, well, what now? Uh, yes. And I think that's where earlier, and I, I noticed a lot of the comments, again, centered around that one juror. And, um, okay whether, you know, that could have played a role, you know, it, that was something I saw a lot of, oh, you know, that friend of the defense attorney, you know, he got on, he got on the jury panel and now we've got a mistrial. Um, but I think more than anything, there was just a sense of frustration and that's, we're going to have to do this all over again. Yeah. And, you know, they still don't know where Heather is. Um, her family's going to have to go through this whole ordeal again. So I think there was a sense of frustration there. And to be honest, I think there was a sense maybe a little bit for us in the media, like, this was a long trial. This was a taxing trial. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to do it all over again. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, I, you know, from kind of looking at it from, I guess, a ratings and a, you know, a digital standpoint, you know, I know people will continue to follow this case. Mm -hmm. But I think there was just a lot of, we still just don't know. And, you know, we don't have justice um, for Heather and some capacity. And, or we don't have justice for the Moors and that, you know, okay, they have said all along they did not do this. I mean, yes, obviously, uh, Sydney during the course of the trial and witnesses, and, you know, 
admitted to having an affair with Heather, and so that was never in question. But yes, Sydney and Tammy Moore, and to this day, maintain that they had nothing to do with her disappearance. So yeah, I think there was also a sense, you know, there's not justice on either side. You know, there's either not justice for Heather's family, or there's not justice for the Moores, and that's, hey, we said we didn't do this, but now we're going to have to go through this all over again. So I think that was the biggest sense of frustration, is that there was just still no clear answers. Back to Heather's mom, Debbie, Mm -hmm. when you remembered she wore that tail outfit every single day. I have also met her family and interviewed them during a kind of a remembrance ceremony that they hold, you know, every anniversary. Mm -hmm. Now, the Elvis family is very willing and open to talk to members of the media. Mm -hmm. What was it like when you and our reporter at the time were inside the courtroom? I assume you guys probably did interviews with them afterward. What was Um, their sense of emotion? Yeah, I know Caitlin spoke, Caitlin Stansel, our former reporter, I know she spoke to them uh, more than I did, but I did at one point, um, Terry Elvis, I remember, I'll remember this uh, forever, um, he came over to the media, we were all kind of crammed in the back of the courtroom, kind of all sitting on basically two pews that we had available to us. Um, but yeah, Terry came in one morning, I think it was maybe day two, and he just came over and just shook all of our hands. I had not met him at the time until that day. Wow. But yeah, he, he shook my hand. He said, you know, thank you all for being here. And yeah, he he seemed um he seemed very calm and just very I think it he was you could tell just this has just taken a, an obvious toll on him mm-hmm. and his family. But yeah, he was very polite, some very you know, very almost kind of soft-spoken, but yeah, he shook my hand, said thank you, and you know, he he actually offered, you know, if you guys want to talk to us, you know, mm. we're, we're around. Um, but yeah, that was really kind of my only interaction with um, their family. I wanted to, I wanted to kind of do my part and just kind of stay. I didn't want to try to like really interact with the with the parties on both sides. I didn't want to seem mm-hmm. like I was courting favor or anything like that. So right. I kind of just stayed off in my little corner and did my thing. But um. But yeah, that was really my only real interaction with the Elvis family during that trial. I did see, I did one day, I had to run to the restroom uh, during during one of the recesses. And yeah, sure enough, uh, Sydney Moore was in there at the same time I was. I no think we way. were maybe the only two that were in the bathroom at that point. So Any words exchanged? No, nothing <laughs> Nothing beyond. I just kind of, kind of just like, kind of just a cursory um, yeah. kind of, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know, I'm not so... I'm not. I'm not looking to make small talk in the restroom with right. a with a man who's on trial for for kidnapping. And it's also just again, I don't want to. I don't want to do anything that maybe would get back to the judge and uh, Mr. Dickerson. You know, you're out of here because blah blah blah. So, no, I, that that was about it. Speaking of Sydney Moore, let's turn now to Kate Merriman. Kate, you were assigned to cover this trial in its entirety last month. You had the chance to speak with the jury foreman in this retrial verdict case. First, tell me what that was like. So she basically told me, you know, as a jury, they made sure to listen attentively throughout the entire trial, um, not taking sides. And as every day came to an end, the judge said, you know, make sure you're listening and listening to both sides. And so when I talked to her, I said, how was it to come up with your verdict? And she said, well, there was evidence that we had to bring back up, but 
ultimately we made sure to listen to everything in in, in its entirety and um that's what she was saying when they did come to their conclusion and i asked um you know what evidence sp- uh, stuck out to them most and she said the the truck cleaning the cleaning of the truck mm-hmm. um and that was new evidence in this trial um, I also spoke with prosecution following because their gag order was released and Jimmy Richardson with the prosecution's office said the um, video of Tammy looking for the bugs, the planted police device, um, they've had that for a long time. That wasn't new to them, but they were telling me when they piece together what kind of evidence they're going to present, they do it in a way that they know will f- kind of make a make a puzzle and it's it's a piece to the puzzle and they were saying that the defense had called Ashley Kaysen which is Tammy's sister to the stand and they knew that they wanted to bring that evidence in and so that's something that the jury foreman had said stuck out to them as well as the phone records and the pregnancy test that was found wow and they had enough to to come up with their their verdict. Yes. Now, this was your first time covering a trial, and, you know, obviously you knew the background of Heather Elvis and everything that has gone into covering these trials the past six years. Um, Share with me also a little bit about what Brad shared. Did you notice kind of the same sentiments of the feeling inside the courtroom with the Elvis family, with the Moors, with everyone involved? I would definitely agree that there were emotions, and I would look over to both families to see how they were interacting as the trial progressed and there were days I would notice Sydney's mom would you know hold her face and shed a tear and then the same with the Elvis family but like Brad said you know it was very calm Um, there was no outburst Um, and this time there wasn't a full courtroom there weren't standing room only of course we were in our back corner Um, but there were a lot of social media um, following this we had our live stream we had a setup outside Um, as well and there were a lot of people interacting with this and like Brad said this is something that and you have said it's captivated this community they're invested and they want to know and they want justice for you know all sides and um, I do think that you know when you look at the emotion there definitely was that in the courtroom Um, but I think this is just a fight that um, They've been, both sides have been fighting for a long time, and ultimately, they just want answers. And did you have a chance to speak with the Elvis family for your first time? I did. I talked to them right after the verdict was um, determined, and something that I asked Debbie is, you know, what what now? And she said, that's a great question. I looked at, we looked at each other, Terry and I looked at each other, and following the verdict, Terry grabs me and says, now what? We still don't have answers. Mm -hmm. We don't know where Heather is. And Morgan, um, Heather's sister, says Mm -hmm. it's not Heather was, it's Heather is because Heather is still missing. Mm -hmm. And when they had addressed the judge before the sentence was determined, this will stick with me, they had said, you know, you could let Sydney go today free. We just want to know where Heather is Mm -hmm. so we can have a proper goodbye. Gives me goosebumps. So they really didn't, and they still don't have a sense of closure, even with the sentences of the Moors? And that's something that, you know, both them and the prosecution had talked to me about, is that prosecution's role wasn't to put anyone in jail. Their role is to find answers. And ultimately, that's all they want. They just want to know where Heather is. They don't, they don't want necessarily someone to be taken away from their family, too, because when you think about the Moors, their children have 30 years without mom and dad now. 
And so right. they're not looking to necessarily put someone jail in, in jail. They're just looking to have closure and knowing where their daughter is, their sister is. Wow. Do you guys, I know, you, you know, Brad, this traces back a few years for you, but this is pretty more recent for your, for your trial last month. Can you guys think of anything else that stands out from either of these trials and just our overall coverage of this case? The thing for me um, was probably the whole discussion. I'm sure Kate, I'm, I know they talked about this too during uh, the retrial, was um, the pregnancy test. Um, that was the first time I'd heard that little piece of information that um, there was thinking that Heather may have been pregnant. Um, so that was kind of the only real part of the trial that kind of almost floored me mm -hmm. because that was just the one piece of it that I hadn't really heard before. So um, that was a that was something that really stuck out in my mind. Um, but honestly, just um, yeah, really, just how invested the community truly is in this case. I I can remember being 14 years old and watching watching O.J. Simpson drive in the white Bronco um, mm -hmm. and remembering that trial and remembering being in sophomore chemistry class and the teacher turning on the TV so we could see the verdict. Wow. And I thought about that as I was covering the first Sidney Moore trial because it kind of brought it all back. Yes, a smaller scale, It's although this case does have national attention, but mm -hmm. it just, again, for this area, it truly is kind of the trial of the century for us. So that is really my biggest takeaway, is just how invested people are in this case and how invested people are in seeing the Elvis family get some form of closure in finally knowing where their daughter and their sister is. So that, for me, is really the thing that sticks out in my mind the most about this case. I would agree too. Um, you know, something that they had talked about, prosecution had brought up um, one of the investigators that had actually gone to the home, uh, Heather's home, and had found a pregnancy box that was empty and said, you know, if she, they asked her, would that have been of value now? And she said yes. Um, so I think throughout this retrial, that was a big, significant um, piece of evidence that they had brought up um, throughout the trial. Uh, so I definitely agree that that's something. Um, that, I guess, built up throughout all trials. Mm -hmm. It did. Little pieces of new information coming out. Now, we have a timeline of all of these events tracking these past six years. It's posted on the WMBF Investigates tab right now on our website, WMBFnews.com, for you to read more stories. Thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Carolina True Crime. I'm Brad Dickerson, Digital Content Manager at WMBF News. We look forward to having you back for our next episode.